for all the times that we have broken our Father's heart, for all the times that we left him in the dirt, for all the times that we believed that we could only live our lives without him, God has given us grace. And his grace, it played out like this. He sent his son Jesus to live perfectly, die on the cross innocently, to rise triumphantly, and to live now for us. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Dad, give me my inheritance now. This is a parable from Jesus, which means that it's a, it's a story that Jesus told to teach us a heavenly truth. So I know that this isn't a story that happened inside of history, but I still wonder about the characters. I wonder about the character of the younger brother. I wonder when it was that he figured out that his dad was different. I wonder when it was that he realized that he could make a request like this one and he might get away with it. I wonder when he realized that his dad was, was more kind, more loving, more merciful, more compassionate than any other father. He, he did figure that out. That's why he felt like he could go to his father and say, Dad, give me my inheritance now. He knew what he was asking, and he knew that what he was asking was for more than finances. He knew that what he was asking of his father was going to break his father's heart. And Jesus made this really clear to us in the way that he told the parable. He chose a really unique word to describe the assets that, that the father was going to divvy up. He chose the word bit us. And that's a word that's still alive in the English language. It's the base of the word biology. Everything to do with life. He chose that word so that we could know that the father was divvying up his life his heart, for his son. The son knew what he was doing. He knew that in essence he was going to his father and saying, Father, you know, in my life goals, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, you'd be a lot more happy. I'd be able to live my life how I want to live it. I'd be out of your house. I'd have all of the things I need. You live the life I want to live. Forgive me inheritance. You know, we talked about that word prodigal, how it's a word that means over the top, excessive, extravagant. Right off the bat, this is a prodigal request from this younger son. 
And you might kind of feel yourself growing in indignation on behalf of the father. That his son would even think to make this request, but then as you go along in the story, you might start to get frustrated with the father. Because fathers are supposed to give that kind of tough love that says, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work out well for you. Remember, this father is different. He doesn't withhold that from his son. He says, okay. He looks at the son who he knows in his heart is wishing that he was dead. He says, okay, son. He divides up his life. He divides up his heart and watches his son walk off to a distant country. And the parable goes on. We know that the son goes out and he spends all his money on wild living. We don't know exactly what that means. It's not really the point of the parable. The older brother later is going to make his best guess. You know, he's going to guess that his younger brother went out and spent his money on prostitutes, but he doesn't know. Jesus doesn't tell us what he spent his money on. We just know that it was wild living and he spent all of his money on it to the point that when a famine came, he hit rock bottom. And it was a deep enough rock bottom that he was feeding pigs and he was wishing with all of his heart that he could just eat some of the pig slop. He's thinking to himself, I'm over here starving to death and in my father's house, the lowest of the servants has more than enough to eat. I'm going to go back there. You can almost feel him hyping himself up to go do this. He puts together his whole speech of what he's going to say to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against earth and I just want to be a servant. Please let me be a servant in your household. So he makes his way back home. And it almost feels like the father is, is waiting outside the home. He sees the son coming from a long way off. Remember, this is a different kind of dad. He doesn't wait for his son to come trudging back and throw himself in the dirt and give him this well-prepared speech. He hikes up his robes and goes running. He throws his arms around his son. He doesn't let the son get through his whole speech. Instead, he welcomes him back into his home without a single caveat and his get servants going on throwing the party of the year because his son was dead and now is alive, was lost, and now is found and we got to celebrate. And like Reuben said really well, that's kind of usually the end of the parable for us. We got the prodigal son who went out, spent all his money, came back, and was received in love. But there's a lot of parable left. This is really where the rubber hits the road in this parable, actually, because there is that older brother. And the older brother was out in the field. He hears the music and the party going on, and he becomes angry. And he wants everybody to know that he's angry, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. He refuses to come inside, and so his dad has to go outside and plead with him to come inside the feast. But the older brother, he's yelling at his dad. He's got a whole tirade prepared. He says, Dad, I have been with you the whole time. I did everything you asked of me. I was in the right place at the right time doing the right things my whole life and you never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate. And then this kid, son of yours, 
He comes out with his prostitutes. And you give him the part year, Dad. How dare you? You know, that's his prepared speech. And truthfully, I don't even really know where to start with this guy. So much going on in that speech. First of all, he was really disrespectful. He made his father leave the party that he was hosting to come inside. He also... Pardon me. (laughs) He also um, disowns his family. You remember he calls his brother this son of yours? He disowns his brother and his father in that moment. And he also knows about his little brother. He hasn't talked to his brother yet. He doesn't know where he's been. He, he doesn't know what the circumstances are. He just assumes he was with prostitutes. You don't really know where to start with this guy except that he really reveals where he's at spiritually. He reveals himself when he says to his dad, all of these years I have been slaving. For you. He reveals that for his whole life, he has viewed himself not as a son, but as a slave. That's how slavery worked back in, the days. in those days. It was, a, it was a kind of relationship where you work in somebody's house for a number of years, and after those years, there's usually an agreement for what you're going to get. So the son saw his relationship with his father as that of a slave. I got to put in my due diligence until my dad dies and then I'll have all the good stuff. He viewed his relationship with his father as one of master the slave. You don't really know what to do with him. You might think of the father again. You just wish that the father would shut down his son and teach him a little bit of a lesson about self-righteousness and pride. But the father, he stands there and he says, okay, yes, we had to celebrate your brother. He was dead. He's alive now. He was lost. He's found now. Of course we were going to celebrate. And that is where the parable ends. And to me, that's a really unsettling kind of end to the parable. Because we don't know what happens. We know what happens with the younger brother. He has a party. He came back and repented to his father. The older brother left outside yelling at his dad. It's unsettling. And to me, as a preacher, it gave me kind of a challenge this week because normally I... I like to go with the narrative of the text to start off with the problem that the text imposes and then, and then rise with the crescendo towards a gospel ending, but this text doesn't exactly allow for that. Jesus leaves us on a cliffhanger. Does the older brother go into the feast? We don't know. It's unsettling. It's unsettling and... Incredible, incredibly spiritually informative. The older brother in this parable, he's really a curveball. And the curveball he shows us that there are lots of different kinds of lostness. 
I mean, this is how we can evaluate this parable. We know that the little brother was sinful. 95% of the world would be able to point at what he did and call it sinful. It was wild living. He went out, left his dad for dead, spent all of the money, and was left feeding pigs. We know that the younger brother is a problem, but what's a lot harder to see is that the older brother is also lost. Even though he never left his home, he is also lost. It's harder to see that. It's harder to see that both brothers were lost. They both wanted the same thing, but neither of them wanted their father. At this point, maybe you're starting to see what Jesus is doing with this parable. He's doing something very intentionally. He's teaching us about something that we in church and in the Bible call sin. He's teaching us about what sin is. Now we can look brother and we can see the sins of wild living. We are familiar with those kind of sins, but we're not as familiar with the sins of the older brother, the sins of, of, of self-righteousness, the sins of pride, the sins that so easily still separate us from God. There are sin in both of their lives, and we can boil it down like this. The sin of the younger brother was to believe that he needed to have his father out of his life in order for him to enjoy it. Does that sound familiar? That many people feel like they need to have God the Father out of their lives. They need to have his commandments, his laws out of their lives so that we can enjoy it. And the sin of the old brother would believe that, that he could do all the right things and be all the right kinds of good so that he could earn some good. Does that sound familiar? People who are caught up in their lives trying to earn satisfaction in their lives by doing the right things. On both sides of this fraternal coin, we have So I want to pose you this question that Jesus is posing to us with this parable. Which brother are you? Are you the younger brother who has felt it at, at, at points in your life that, that you need to have God out of your life in order for you to do it right? Or are you the older brother who, who is has done the right things and been in the right places and that subconscious belief that doing those things is going gonna, is gonna to earn you goodness. When we are honest with ourselves, we will see that we are both. We have the sin of the younger brother, we have the sin of the older brother in us and what does the Bible say about sin? says that the wages of sin is death. It says that sin has to be dealt with. It says that sin has to be punished. We've talked a lot about the sins of the older brother and the younger brother. Now I want to bring your attention to another character in the parable. 
a character that I think gets left into the background more often than not. Remember, he's the character that was different throughout. More kind, more compassionate, more forgiving, more loving than any father you've ever met. It's, it's the father, right? The father who from the very beginning was prodigal. He was prodigal that he said, okay, son, here's your inheritance. Here is my heart. Here is my life. He was prodigal in the way that he forgave his son and brought him back into his home and into his heart. He was prodigal as he threw a party of the year for his son. He was prodigal in the way that he dealt with his older son too. He had every right to chuck his son out of his life. But he didn't. He's a different kind of father. He's more kind. He's more loving. He's more compassionate, more forgiving. Do you remember the word that I talked about with the kids? The love that this prodigal father showed to his sons is a word that is described in the Bible as grace. Grace is the kind of love that is undeserved. Grace is the kind of love that the Father showed to His sons when they didn't deserve His love. And grace is the kind of love that is shown to us. We're about to sing a song. It's a song that I think every one of you knows. It's a song called Amazing Grace. It was written, oh, now I put myself in a corner, 1700s, 1600s, um, by a person who used to own slaves. And his conscience hit him so he fit in the role of the prodigal son. And he knew that he needed a love that was undeserved. And so he wrote his song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. It's a song that was based on the text of this parable. It's a song that was based on the words that the father spoke to his son. To each one of us who has the sins of the older brother and the younger brother all over them, God has shown grace. For all the times that we have broken our father's heart, for all the times that we left him in the dirt, for all the times that we believed that we could only live our lives without him, God has given us grace. And his grace it played out like this. He sent his son Jesus to live perfectly, to die on the cross innocently, to rise triumphantly, and to live now for us, to bring us to himself. That's grace. It's undeserved life. I hope you'll forgive me for preaching long today. I preached long today because this is the message of the Bible. This is the message of Christ all wrapped up into this parable. The Bible teaches us that we are sinners in need of a Savior and it teaches us that we have 
a Savior. This is all we need. Amazing grace. Now we often think of this parable, it's historically had the name the prodigal son. Um, I know I do this kind of a lot that I give you new names for things. But I'll encourage you maybe to think of this parable in terms of maybe calling the prodigal father. That you can remember your prodigal father who has given his son Jesus, who has loved you with an amazing grace that we could never deserve who now invites us into his feast where we will be surrounded with this prodigal love.